0: Hello and welcome to this Cloud of Data podcast with your host, Paul Miller. Today, I talk with Quentin Clark, Corporate Vice President at the Data Platform Group at Microsoft. Quentin's remit is wide ranging, covering everything from software, including SQL Server and the data and visualization parts of Excel through to data itself with things like the Azure Data Market. In this wide-ranging conversation, Quentin and I explore some of the opportunities that bringing these different aspects of the whole together offers to Microsoft and its customers. We also explore some of the challenges around working on the cloud and on-premise, and in terms of the data privacy and data protection issues that some clients tend to bring to the fore we discuss growing interest in the market for data itself and explore some of the challenges that data markets from various providers have struggled to address. I hope you find this conversation useful and we'll come back in the future for other podcasts from the cloud of data. Thank you. Quentin, hi, and thank you very much for taking the time to talk with me today. Before we talk about the Data Platform Group and Microsoft and their uh, perspectives on all things data, big data, cloud, and all the rest of it, can you tell listeners a bit about yourself and your own background, please?
1: Yes, certainly great. Thanks, Paul, and I appreciate you taking the time to, to speak with me today. Um, so my name, as, as you know, is Quentin Clark. I am the Corporate Vice President for a group inside Microsoft we call the Data Platform Group, um, which is responsible for everything from SQL Server itself, which, of course, is our, our on-prem data platform product that's not just an RDBMS, but also my analytics server, data integration, that kind of stuff, um, and all the way to our BI work that's in Office. Um, so the stuff that that is in office these days around PowerPivot and PowerView and the QA offering is per 365 and these things are all um, within the data platforms purview. And and then you kinda of think about everything that's in between, right? And so our, our cloud offerings, the the relational cloud offerings, the you know, running things like SQL Server in in VMs and, and infrastructure as a service. Um, the data integration tools that we have in the, in the product and in the cloud, the work we do with, with uh, HD Insight, which is our Hadoop uh, offering, the partnership we have with Hortonworks, all that stuff is served sort of under the purview uh, of the data platform group.
0: So n- not a lot then. Um, everything from <laughs> a, a simple database to um, Hadoop clusters running in the cloud and all points in between yeah pretty much yeah um, yeah it's um it you know and what's kind of
1: important about about that uh, that view of it though is that uh what we're finding from our customers is that they need an end to end platform right and so having the stuff together the product capabilities together into one group are engineering things in a in a consistent way and and building you know product offerings that are really focused on solving customer problems as opposed to you know, building lots of different things for customers to call together—that's uh, been a pretty good focus for us.
0: And does this group also look at the data? So, for example, you have the Azure Data Market. Um, is that within your purview as well, or is that different?
1: No, it is. It's also a team. And in fact, um, on that front, we have a we have a number of different efforts. There's a there's a core catalog that we that we that we build and and, and operate that allows us to um, register public data sets. So we go look at interesting.gov and other kinds of data sets that are just as publicly available data and we put those into into this catalog um, so people can find it with Power Query and the tools that they have in front of them as part of uh, as part of Office. And then uh, we do commercial data partnerships. Um, so for example, you go up there you'll find in you list data and Dun and Bradstreet and other the, the early the early partners that we've brought on um, as we start to get um, some of the Power BI stuff completed, and we've got of course you know whole you know pipeline of that that we're we're working on with with a lot of really interesting uh, partnerships with, with um, commercial data. And then the other thing that the catalog also helps us serve is is corporate data. And so as you as a as a customer builds a tenancy in Office 365, they automatically get an, an enterprise um, corporate catalog for the data. So the work that's done to to curate data sets or to build models can be published and found and discovered and leveraged by other people. So it's it's interesting because the um, this catalog work has been really important because it it helps people get access to the information, the models to help understand the information, which ultimately is a lot of what this big data meme is all about, right? There's there's a lot of different ways you can slice the whole big data phenomena and 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 the sort of industry's view on it. But um, one thing is very clear about it is that the, so the more diverse data you have access to and the more interesting analytics you can put towards it, the more insights you get out of it, right? And so one of the things we've been very focused on is making sure that, that there's a lot of interesting data that people have access to, um, both data they have inside the enterprise, making that more turnkey for people to find and leverage, but as well as data that's just out there in the world.
0: And this sort of interest in aggregating data and offering these data catalogs. Is this because Microsoft sees this as a, a business opportunity in itself or is it about, you know, defending and strengthening the position of Microsoft software products? So things like, say, Excel and SQL Server.
1: Yeah, the truth is, Paul, um, you know, this may sound a little funny coming from the business leader, this product space, but it's not how we tend to approach it. We tend to approach it from: What is the value that customers are trying to get at? What is what is valuable, right? And what are the experiences that people need to have in order to get value out of out of the information that their that their applications are generating, that, that their interactions with their customers are generating, that their business process creates, um, you know, that basically that their their business emits. And you know, we we drill into that problem. The phenomenon over the last few years has really been that. Scale of data, the variety of the data, um, the ability to process the data, and then really good experiences on on the data is a required end-to-end cycle that has to that has to function together, right? And so we look towards how do we solve customers' challenges and how do we move them forward. Um, and then we derive our efforts and our product work kind of kind of based on that. Um, you know, another another sort of way to look at this is if you know, if you if you think about where we are with with the role of information in enterprises today, and I use the word enterprise very loosely, I mean businesses, governments of all shapes and sizes, but you know, maybe I should say just businesses. If you look at how, how the role of information is evolving, if you look in the past, you look at the the sort of client server era, the microprocessor era, the state of the art was line of business, right? We had we had transactional database systems, data warehousing, and operational BI, and it and it's created the world we know. I mean, you can um, you can go to Starbucks, and you know, a ten-year-old can go buy a, a square card reader and do transactions on you know on an iPhone, right? Everything from that to how supply chain management, logistics are 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 done in you know worldwide shipping companies and these kinds of things. It's all based on that core data architecture of line of business, right? It's these line of business records. Uh, that are under transactional management and then data warehousing for um, for core analysis and, and BI for operational um, oversight and purview, right? The world's evolving and this whole big data phenomena, the other way to look at this is what is the change in the role of information for all business? And it has to do with the understanding of of signals that were previously not understood before. So you look at a you know, a manufacturing uh, company that has its manufacturing c- equipment that emits logs that up until recently they didn't know what to do with. They didn't have a technique to process it. They didn't know what insights like to go think about. But it turns out that information is really interesting in terms of an early uh, early signals on production yields. It's, it's really important for um, equipment maintenance and and minimizing overall factory downtime. These kinds of things, right? Um, so you take everything from the kind of information, the scale of processing it, to scenarios that have emerged around the value of, of one business's information to other businesses. And here I have a, you know, I, I have, of course, I, I get the luxury of getting to talk to a lot of customers, and so I have all these really interesting examples. But there's they're, they're stuff that's kind of well understood, things like if you had access to the social feeds You would know about change in product perception or the rise of a competitor or these kinds of things earlier earlier than maybe your business signals would show that stuff up, right? I think that's kind of well understood, but there are other interesting things, too. There's the retail um, uh, bank, right? There's a banking institution that issues loans to retail shops that denies loans based on patterns they see in a shipping company's data. Um, even down to that individual address, or even even at even at the region um, or city block level, or you see um, consortiums uh, getting together on taking telemetry from uh, from manufacturing equipment and using that together to to drive a better SLA agreements with the manufacturing equipment company, or you see um, you know individual uh, product lines that are using. Um, information from other industries, you know whether it's uh, you know things things that are coming from the government or things that are um, coming from other retail signals, um, things that are coming from traditional retail signal sources, you know in terms of um, you know retail analytics and that kind of stuff. So you're seeing this whole sort of world emerge around this diversity of information. So you have within a business you have these these important means around embracing all the signals that their business has and being able to process those. And then you have this other meme that's really around looking outside your business saying, what are the other signals that really affect my business, right? Um, and there's lots of examples of that. And then, and then you lay onto that um, the ability to do processing and doing that at scale. And then, uh, and then having experiences to let people have those insights and get access to them. So there really is this whole sort of change that's happening in the role of, of information. And that's sort of where we come from. Right? When we look at things like, why are we doing the data marketplace? Well, it's because in order for people to have access to the information that helps them understand their business differently in a differentiated way, lets them compete differently, we have to do that. We have to help provide that end-to-end chain. Um, and then later we figure out, well, how does that lay into products and all that stuff? And, um, and, and there, in sort of true Microsoft fashion, we're trying to make this as accessible to as many people as we possibly can.
0: And I think, you know, the, the broad vision is clearly one that a lot that will resonate with a lot of people, this idea of analyzing far more of the data you have, analyzing data at scale and you know across on-premise and off-premise. But the reality for a lot of knowledge workers in a lot of the world's organizations is actually that they're still living in, you know, their own Excel spreadsheet. They've got Excel on their own machine. They've got a load of data on their own machine, and you're actually hard pushed to get them even to share it with the person sat next to them. Um, <laughs> are we narrowing the gap between the vision for which there are some very nice case studies and the reality of every knowledge worker with their own copy of Excel and their own spreadsheet?
1: Yeah, no, it's a it's a great question, and you know the number of, you know the number of businesses I encountered that are. Um, that are very much run by Excel is, is is still tremendous. You know, it, we at we were at Strata a few weeks ago and we talked about this vision of um, you know, bringing the value of big data to a billion people, right? And we really we really actually fundamentally believe that, and that memory really comes from a a sense of you know, how many people are going to get value out of big data at the end of the day, right? And you know whether it's a um, a farmer who's managing their um, their dairy yield because of sensors that are on the, the cows, right? Um, or whether it's the, um, the, the, the satisfaction level with, a, with a, um, a city bicycle program in Barcelona because of the work they're able to do on social analytics and, you know, combine that with the sensors that are at the stations and the bicycles themselves to optimize, you know, the workflow of these bicycles and where they are at the given time. These are all examples of, of people getting value out of big data. You know, in the case of the farmer, they're using a SaaS solution that wraps it all up. In the case of um, uh, the City of Barcelona, they they built a solution bespoke based on uh so sort of tools that, that, that they work with with HD Insight and the cloud and, uh, and Power BI on the clients and all that to, to build a solution, to, to give them tools to empower them to do that. But it those are all these sort of different people are going get value out of it. And you know the 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 good news is is that the the tools that they already are familiar with Excel, you know it is a tool they can get they can get the value from right. So we, we talk a lot about accessibility of this, and by accessibility we mean not just how many people are able to sort of you know get access to a tool, download it, figure it out, etc. You know, and here we have you know literally probably around a billion people that know how to use Excel. Um, so, we mean that kind of accessibility, but the other kind of accessibility we mean is how easy is it for people to start with a question and end up getting some insight. And here, the, the important thing that, that, that we've done in Power BI is introduce a natural language capability for BI that we call Q&A. And so, instead of having to rely on people being smart enough to understand data warehousing schemas and know how to best potentially visualize something in order to, in order to create the insight, we only need people to be curious enough to ask a question and they can go into Q&;A and they can type in a natural language question they can get an answer back you know visualize for them in, a, in an appropriate way you know everything from the bubble scatter charts to just simple you know um, uh, bar charts you know pie charts where so they can get a visualization on the question they're, they're seeking the answer to and it changes how they're able to understand information um, I tell this story every, every so often and I'll, I'll tell you in here. Um, it's true story. Our, our, my children are at ski school. Um, they're in ski school in the winter out here in, in Seattle. And when the snow's not great, I don't ski. I, I just sit there in the lodge and, and and work, and you know, you know, maybe have a um, you know coffee and that kind of thing. And and at lunchtime they they came down, and, and for some reason we got on the the topic of uh, of the World Cup and the Olympics in, in Brazil this year, and, and of course in uh, in Russia and. And they got curious about the impact it would be to to have to cancel one of those events and i 'm like well there's a lot of people in these countries, like you know sort of this you know big impact and so the, the conversation ended up turned to how many people are there by country within each continent so you, you imagine on the minds of a, a ten and a twelve year old boy run um, with a father who's also you know, very curious about everything, and so this is where the conversation ended up and Instead of finding, trying to find a a, a web page that had a nice table which was organized by uh, by country, continent, population, I instead used Power Query. I was able to to launch launch Excel. I went to Power Query and I typed in um, country, continent, and I hit enter, and I found a table which was some um, set of uh, emission statistics or something. It was a table that happened to return. So with Power I was able to eliminate all the stuff I didn't care about and just take it into the, column, the simple column of a list of countries with their continent. And then I was able to do another search on, on country population. I found a, a world government um, uh, uh, statistics on that. And again, same thing. I just filtered it out to what I needed. And then I, was, I, I was able to click on the table, insert Power it created the BI model for me, right, just automatic into the covers. I added the other table to that model. I, I pointed the, the two countries at each other, right? The two country um, columns at each other. And then and then I turned the continent into a slicer. And, and I handed it to my kids. So I had a, you know, working on a, a Surface 2, I'd done all this. I flipped the keyboard around, I, and I just slid the, the, the tablet over to my, to my kids. And they're able to go and, you know, and slice by continent. It sorts by population by country automatically. And it gave them this very visceral, hands-on experience understanding that data, which is way different than a static table that they have to kind of do all the mental math for all the time in terms of which one was bigger again and how that sort differently this way or that way. So change their experience to understanding information. It's that kind of thing. I use that example because if if... I can do it at the ski lodge, and like literally took me two minutes to build the model and hand to a ten-year-old who's able to derive that out of that information. I'm pretty sure the business world's ready to adopt this, right? Um, You know, I I, we're trying to make sure that that everybody who can benefit from structured information has the, the tools and the ability to be curious, ask the questions, and get answers and figure out what it might mean.
0: Is there a skills gap here that we should be worried about? I mean, McKinsey, for example, talks about this massive shortage of data scientists who may perhaps be down at the deeper level, you know, the the worrying about Hadoop and clusters and all of that stuff. But is there a skills gap at the business end as well, either in terms of understanding what's there or in terms of sort of shaping the right questions and the right analyses? I mean, I guess, you know, remember when desktop publishing was new, and there was a skills gap there. And every document had almost as many fonts on the pages as, as the printer could print, um, which was <laughs> a, a problem. Um, are we in danger of seeing that in, in visualization and analytics, you know, every graph type under the sun or something more serious, perhaps, where people are misinterpreting or missing the, the truth in the data?
1: Yeah, it's a great great question, and I think that in order, you know, and and just to lay a a little bit of groundwork in terms of an answer, in order to get the value out of the data, you really have to have uh, a set of things come together. You have to have a large-scale, performant, um, capable data, you know, data fabric, right, An, an an underlying infrastructure that lets you store any kind of information, whether it's a relational record or whether it's a, a log you know, file, whether it's a JSON object or or whatever else, and that has to work for both existing information sets, think right? Things people have on prem as well as um, stuff that's being created, born, or moved even to the cloud. You have to have the ability to process data and process it at great scales, right? And so you know these these examples um, that you cite and and that we have in our case studies and everything else you know it it, it takes a lot of um, uh, you know effort concerted resources to to do the data processing right to, to pick up you know terabytes of data every day and and produce something out of it actually take scale um, and, and processing and you know, all its capability and then you need the the experiences right and it's only in experiences meaning you know, experiences for uh, uh, analytics developers, experiences for knowledge workers, and experiences for, um, you know, a range of people in business, including, you know, someone just on a, you know, in a, in a distribution warehouse who, you know, just needs to understand something that day, that hour, that week um, to adjust how they're going to do something within, within that period of time, right? And the expectation is, is that as the world embraces this, this sort of modernization of, of of the role of data in business—it's not just static reports, but it's a more real-time and more interactive world, right? So all these things have to come together, and you know, so we need skills and development to build applications in a modern way, to emit more telemetry, to um, to produce more in more data that can that insight can be drawn from, right? We need the, the skills to understand how to do data processing and you know, how to leverage things like Hadoop to you know, reach into data sets, manage them, curate them, clean them, and produce, uh, at the end of the day, things that will go through analytics um, pipelines in order to be accessible by end users. And then in the experiences space, you need everything from you know, the sort of traditional uh, in some ways, data scientists are, are an extension and a specialization of a, of a broader analytics developer category of work, right, where there's a certain set of data that, that these people have a certain set of expertise for in terms of how to do, uh, how to build certain kinds of analytics, you know, how to build certain kinds of models uh, in order to produce certain kinds of information facets out of it. That skill set is super important and growing, right, and, and you know the techniques, whether it's using you know, R or whether it's using analysis server, the techniques are are broadening and are in more demand. And then there's a skill set you need for the end users, right? And, you know, here, you know, I I stand behind the work that we're we're doing with Power BI, whether it's Q&A, where people just ask ask a question just plain old English, or whether it's by building, the ability to find data and smash together really easily in Excel and refine that really easily in Excel. We're, we're making it more accessible, right? You know, and perhaps you're right. You know, maybe the initial sort of takes on this will be too many fonts in the page, so to speak, right? Too many techniques employed by the end user, too too much of a cacophony of of different things you're looking at before we all sort of mature and realize how to express the value correctly, right? And what is and what is valuable. But I think across this whole range is this tremendous opportunity for um, uh, and for all sorts of different roles to participate in, in this new value of, of information. And um, and I don't know that the shortage is in any one place or another. I think that as the tooling matures, and as the pipelines mature, and as we, as we get more grounded in what kinds of insights people are really getting out of what kinds of data for what kinds of um, industries, et cetera, we'll get, we'll get a lot clearer, and, and things become a lot more turnkey over time
0: and as they become more turnkey clearly people are going to want to put in more and more data both their own but also data coming from outside their organization which is the kind of thing you've been doing with the the Azure data market and there there are other players in this space as well um you know aggregating these large pools of of third party data are you finding that organizations are uncomfortable about merging their own data with data from outside their control or do they instantly see the value and, and jump in and start doing it?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I, there's a, it's actually a great question, Paul. There, there's a as broad a spectrum on this question as there is on the question of using the cloud today, right? You know, I, I work with enterprises and I see and every week, I, I meet with, a, you know, particularly two, three different different companies in our in our briefing center, and we able to, uh, have the opportunity to have those kinds of conversations. And on the cloud question, I see, this, I see this very broad range. Everyone from, you know, there's no way ever our stuff will ever be in the public cloud. Stuff meaning, our our mail server, our our databases, our business applications, etc. Right. And then I see companies that say things like. We are on a mission. These, some of these are big companies, you know, five-digit, um, you know, number of employees scale companies. Um, you know, our mission is in two years we will not have on we will not own a data center, period. Right? We're going to be using the public cloud infrastructure. So I see the full, full, full gamut and all the different reasons that that um, people are holding as why or why not they're headed um, headed, you know, to to what degree to the cloud. The same spectrum exists when it comes to this question about um, data signals and, and the embracing of others' data, the embracing of all the different kinds of their own data, the, the willingness to take information that they have that actually might be very valuable to other industries and making it available to other industries. Um, and so I, and there I see a full gamut of, of you know of what customers are concerned about, what industries think about, and kind of where they are in that, and and on that spectrum, um, you know, the, the, the companies that are embracing where this is going, I believe, are going to be at a competitive advantage over the next few years, and this is very important. I actually, I had this experience, and I'll, I'll leave the, the specific companies, of course, nameless, but I had this experience, gosh, it's got to be about a year ago now when this happened. I had... Two large hospitality um, companies, hotel companies, uh, you know, in the EBC over the span of, uh, of of a week, right? And my first conversation, this company had, they converted their their hotel keys to RFID. They they um, instrumented their hotel with RFID readers. They their um, loyalty program had had created social elements that people. Um, you know, enrolled in that part, allowed the company to also see other things they're interested in, right, that the, their customers were interested in. So they they these social signals, they had built um, uh, internet of things, kind of telemetry in, in their properties, um, they'd integrated their systems between uh, like the restaurant and on-premise, um, uh, you know, um, businesses, right, the, the, you know, the, the sundry store the the restaurant the bar there all you know the, the gym all that kind of stuff you know with their with the rest of their um, uh, customer management systems and they worked down this program of how do we optimize customer loyalty and do things like you know if we know that someone's physically active they've been to the gym once or twice and they check in automatically a printout comes for the person that's at the counter checking them in with a running map and a weather report so that you know, that the, the, the customer feels like, oh, this hotel, they kind of know me and, you know, they, they know what I'm interested in and, um, and I'm going to have a better experience, right? So they're really pushing hard on how do we drive um, the affinity to the loyalty program and how do we embrace the, all of these different data signals to get there. And then later in the week, I, I met, uh, you know, a company that's in the same industry and they hadn't thought about any of this. Right. They they were, uh, they were they were they still based, struggling with what I would what I would refer to as sort of classic operational BI work and you know I, I remember thinking at the end of that meeting I'm like it's gonna be hard for them to compete they're they're not making the investments they're not thinking broadly enough about how the 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 the, the evolution and what data um, can represent to a company they haven't thought deeply about how that can affect their business and, and move them forward. And you know it's a very stark contrast, and so, you know, I really do see the spectrum every day. And and you know, I but increasingly, what's happening is customers are thinking about, you know, not just business optimization and and and, and you know, and cost reduction, those kinds of things. They're thinking about um, personalization, uh, customer loyalty, uh, you know, market market marketing effectiveness. They're thinking about. The world differently, in terms of how information can help them understand their customer and their position differently and push that forward and they're and they're also thinking about how their data might be of value outside how it might may return to them a dividend uh, uh from their from the information that their business creates that's even outside their industry and you know a number as a, as a, as I talk to customers, I talk about the whole our data platform, what we're doing, and, and our perspective on, you know, bringing the value to a billion people, and, and examples of changes, and, and thinking that that other companies go through when they really look broadly at the at the data that's out there in the world. I also challenge them on: Do you have data that you think, even even with a stretch of thinking, could be valuable outside your company? And you'd be surprised in the last six months. More and more, that question, that conversation—you um, you get these sort of furtive glances between people at the table, you know, these these like these sort of concealed smiles, like they they felt they were caught thinking about this, you know. Um, but they they clearly started to put some thought into it, and and you know, in almost every industry that I've been able to talk with in the past, you know, few months, somewhere in that conversation there has been a dialogue around we have this with this information we know it's a value to this kind of an industry or this kind of a company this kind of scenario we're trying to figure out whether or not that's just a one off thing or whether or not it's a it's a bigger trend and if it's a bigger trend how do we participate in that and so i, I do think that that the world here is is changing um and i and i do think that customers are just as they are going through this cycle of how to think about the the cloud and cloud computing. I think they're also thinking through the same sort of maturity models happening on what what data and and the real data dividends could represent to them.
0: And I think, yeah, I think that's going to be a very interesting area to explore as these attitudes change, both in terms of using other people's data, but also in terms of contributing or selling your own data from inside the firewall. I think it's going to be a an interesting area to watch, and and maybe some of the the early data markets in this space were were simply too soon, which is why they sort of fell by the wayside. Um, it's going to be in- interesting to see how it changes. I am conscious of the time, so there's just one more quick thing I wanted to ask you before we wrap up. Um, we've Certainly. talked, we've talked about. Excel and you know the the advantage it gives you because it's on effectively every desktop um, and it's as of yesterday it's on every iPad too, um, <laughs> and and we we also sort of mentioned in passing you know Power BI you've mentioned it a few times and that was launched earlier this year and I think you know looking at it for me the the one odd thing to me was you're almost diminishing the advantage you've got by selling it as a separate product. You, know, you, you could actually sweep things like Tableau off the table um, by simply giving all those Excel users Power BI because most of them would never need anything else. But because you don't give it to them, they almost have to start shopping around. So you, you're making your lives difficult, aren't you?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a good question. And, you know, the, the first instances of Power BI, we really wanted to... Um, make the investments in the corporate data catalog, in the Q&A experience, um, in Power BI sites to enable some of the things that even you were talking about. How do I, you know, reach out to, more, to broaden the reach of the, of the accessibility of the tools to more people? How do we um, uh, provide a mechanism for data sharing? Right, because people, as it is as you observed, you know, that, that's really a complicated thing. So we're trying to lubricate that, facilitate that. We're trying to get people to start thinking about what it means to search and find information. Um, and and you know, there are there are parts of the product like Power Query, the parts of Power BI, like Power Query, that are available. You can you can just go to you can go to our download center, you can download it, and you can go find interesting information sets and, and do things with them. And so we're gonna pay real close attention to um, what the usage patterns are, what our customers are telling us, and and you know, start to think about which of the capabilities, everything from Power Pivot, Power Query, Power Review, um, q and and all that stuff, really where it belongs and how to make sure that, that people can get started and, and become productive uh, you know, very, very quickly and easily. So it is something we're paying a lot of attention to. You know, we, were, we are you know, working hard to reduce the friction um, you know, to make sure that it's very easy for people to sign up and get going. Uh, you know, whether it's even even with the trial or, or, or that kind of thing, but making sure that, that people have, have full accessibility to everything. But, I mean, as you observe, you know, we only shipped it, uh, what, six, seven weeks ago, something like that now. It's, it's pretty recent. And it's just an example of there's a number of things that, that we've been sort of um, uh, announcing recently, you know, whether it's the Hadoop uh, 2.2 work and HD Insight that's, that went GA. Whether it's uh, SQL Server 2014 that recently went GA, our uh, RTM is now, um, or will be available GA on the first of April, um, which is a, a big in-memory play. All these sort of efforts are all around, you know, trying to help customers embrace the the power of all this information and ultimately get the dividends out of the data insights that can come from them. And it's why we made such a big investments. In, in both BI and in, in SQL on in memory, right? So in you know, starting with Power Pivot, we put in-memory into the hands of the information worker. We put memory in-memory into the analytics engine and analysis server. We put in-memory into the data warehousing workload and the RDBMS and, of course, with SQL 2014, we've now put in-memory into transaction processing. And all of that revolves around, you know, taking the ability the customers need and putting them into products that that customers know, are familiar with, can, can get can get use out of, can upgrade to and get advantage of. without having to rewrite an app or buy a separate product or anything like that. And we and we believe that meme uh, has legs, right? We are we're we're we you know, building, in partnership with Office and Excel, you know, both into Excel and and in Power BI, the online Office 365 versions. We're building it in, building it in, building it in. And, you know, we're not done, obviously, and, and we'll listen closely to you know, the kind of things our customers are trying to achieve and make sure that those the capabilities show up in the right products for them to do it.
0: Okay, good. Um, I, I could keep going for, for ages. Um, there's plenty more I'd like to explore, <laughs> but I, I think, unfortunately, we're out of time. Um, so, Quentin, thank you very much for talking with me, and I look forward to seeing, you know, where Microsoft goes from here. So thank you very much
1: great. Thanks, Paul. I, I definitely appreciate you taking the time to talk, talk with me and um, hopefully we get through this again.
0: Thank you. Goodbye.